This is Another Bottle Down on Co-op Radio, KOOP Hornsby, Austin, 91.7 FM, and KOOP.org. I'm your host, Mark Rayshap, here to appreciate wines from all over the world and to talk with Austin's leading wine professionals, from winemaker to sommelier and everyone in between. Now it's time to put another bottle down. Thank you, Hilka, for another wonderful edition of the Andean Hour. That was lovely. My name is Mark Rayshop. We've got a wonderful show in store for you today. Uh, it's wine. It's the it's the wine hour. Uh, we come in here in the studio every week and talk about wine and, and highlight people's stories and tell you all what's going on in our wine community. So uh, we're here live in the studio with Anthony Salazar, who is sommelier at Gusto uh, Wine Bar over on Burnet. And he's got some interesting stuff to tell us about. And also Julia Lucchioli, who is uh, the sales director of Sagravit, which is a very historic historical and uh, the, the largest uh, um, wine landholder and uh, an agricultural company. So we're really looking forward to hearing from her. So stay tuned. So thank you so much, everybody, for for uh, tuning in. This is radio for people and not for profit, and uh, uh, we've got some really exciting things that we're going to be talking about today on today's show. Um, Anthony Salazar, you are sommelier and uh, and manager of Gusto Wine Bar, right in uh, on Burnet. Welcome yes. to the show. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, so uh, you know, I'd like to spend just a few minutes talking about Gusto and how you fit in and 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 your history and 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 the, you know what you're doing with the menu and the wine list, uh, and then we'll get into you're having a, a wine dinner uh, tonight as part of Italian Wine Week, and there are events going on in Italian restaurants all over Austin, um, and so so we, so we're we're featuring uh, uh, Italian wines, and proceeds are going to the um, disaster relief for the earthquake, right? Yes. Yes. Cool. Well, well, uh, you know, how do you tackle, how do you like to kind of think about the wine list? Of course, it's all Italian wine list, right? Oh, uh, no, it's actually inclusive of uh, many parts of the world. Uh, you know, the a majority of our bottles on the list are Italian, whites okay. and reds. Um, but we have wines from all over, really. I mean, it's a small restaurant. It's a small wine bar. Um, but we have a list of about 70 bottles. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. And, and so... Um, but the, so the restaurant though is kind of a classically Italian restaurant, or is, are you playing around with different uh, food genres as well? Yeah, we we are. We're kind of blending sort of a Mediterranean pan Italian, you know, uh, way of cooking and thinking about food. Uh, we've got some food, you know, homemade charcuterie that uh, is reminiscent of something you would get up in Bolzano. Um, we've got, you know, delicious chiapino and you know uh, foods you would find in Sicily. Um, Tuscany as well. It's just all over. Yeah. Well, we'll also we'll be talking with Julia later in the show just about some of her at- favorite Italian cuisine and regional cuisine and all that kind of stuff because she's coming. Uh, she she lives in Italy now, and so um, well, great. What are some of your favorite wines that you have on your list and regions and and what what kind of excites you right now? You know, there's a lot of really great things going on, uh, especially in Austin. Uh, the wine business is growing, and we're starting to see more professionals enter um, our restaurant scene in this town, um, and introducing folks, you know, to newer varieties, or rather, uh, varieties that have been kind of obscure or esoteric. Um, one of my favorite things right now is Norello Mascalese coming yeah. out of Sicily, and we've rotated that a few times. We've seen wines. Uh, really, really beautiful wines. It's a grape that, you know, kind of shines with red fruit and, you know, nice forest notes. Um, and it's kind of a chameleon at the dinner table, really. Yeah, yeah. Do you look for certain kind of characteristics when you're um, when, when you're choosing wines for the menu? I mean, before the show, you just were, were talking about uh, certain wines just screaming for food. What, what is it that, what is it actually about the wine that you're, you're really looking for? Yeah, um, well, I guess 
first and foremost, you know, if you're talking about Italy, you're talking about just raw earth most of the time and also kind of a lifted acidic or tannic profile. Yeah. Um, and it's fitting because a lot of the food coming out of Italy is just vibrant and it's filled with flavor and, you know, packed with elements that need to be complemented by like stronger structure in wine. So um, when I'm looking for wines on the list, the first thing that I usually look for is, okay, um, where is my acidic profile at? Um, can this wine stand up to, you know, really acidic tomato? Yeah. Can it withstand spice and herb? Um, and then, you know, uh, a smaller part of the list is sort of uh, on there, you know, for people who would just want to drink, you know, the wine by itself or uh, for wine geeks that want something really special and kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. And so um, do you find yourself having to really do a lot of explaining to folks who, you know, come in and, and um, you have contact with them and, and you might want them, you're excited about something, you might want them to try something they've never heard of. Are people open to that in Austin or... Or do, or do they want the same old stuff that they know? You know, it, it's a combination of both. Uh, the way I approach it, though, is if if I can tell someone has a desire to try something different, I'm going to throw at them the most interesting, wonderful thing I can think of for them to have and be excited about. Yeah. Um, for someone that's very comfortable, you know, with, uh, you know, their particular kind of wine, you know, um, what I try to do is explain to them that we can find a similar wine that has all the attributes that they like about, um, you know, their palate, um, and have them try that. And, you know, it's successful about 80% of the time people are willing to at least say, okay, I will not have my buttery shard today. I may try something else instead. Yeah. So within what, so what Italian, what obscure Italian wine would you say to somebody who comes in and they say, I only drink Napa Valley cabs. (laughs) You know, it has uh, to happen, right? Right. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot. No, no, it's it's perfectly fine. I'd I'd go two directions with that. Okay. If they're talking about truly big, juicy, expensive Napa cab, then I'm probably going to point them to Sagrantino. Um, that's a beautiful wine. It just sings. Um, and you know, it, you can leave it in a decanter for several hours, and it just you know right. opens up so Massive nicely. Massive tannin. Sagrantino di Montefalco, which is in Umbria, which we'll be talking with Julia uh, in just uh, in the in the latter part of the show about her Umbrian Umbrian property. So um yeah, so so you've been able to find Sagrantinos and uh and I bet that they do have success with those <laughs> folks. Um you know <laughs> do another they thank you afterwards to <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes uh sometimes um more times than not, you know, uh they just finish the bottle and ask for another. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a thankless job out there, right? <laughs> another wine I would say for those types are Alianico. Alianico, yeah, yeah. uh you can find them from all over. I have a preference for Mastro Berardino. Um, as that wine ages, it becomes beautiful. Um, yeah. You can find just examples of very long-lived wines coming out of Campania. Yeah, and, and uh, Alionico is also finding its home here in Texas as well. So I think that's allowing the awareness out there to you know also have people searching for the, uh, the homeland, the motherland of Alionico, which is in the south of Italy. Very cool. Well, let's um, let's chat a little bit about the the menu for tonight. So um, tonight at seven p.m. at the the restaurant at uh, Gusto is going to be uh, featuring the wines of Castello di Magione uh, in Umbria and Rocca Bernarda in Friuli, uh, and we'll talk we'll talk um, with Julia about those the wines. How did you come up with the menu though? I mean, did you first have the wines and then came up with the food? Did you did Chef have some things he was wanting to prepare and uh, give the chef a shout out as well. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, Justin Turner, our executive chef, a good friend of mine, and also, you know, uh, really brilliant when it comes to food. He is an avid uh, wine drinker. Uh, so <laughs> am I. We've had many a talk about, you know, how they go so well together. Uh, but um, this actually came from the wine. Now, this is kind of a back and forth. We have a lot of wine dinners, and sometimes he'll say, you know, I really want to... Uh, smoke something and we're going to build an entire menu around that. And then sometimes I say, well, Jesus Christ, there's a lot of this beautiful wine coming out of Friuli. Make me food that fits that. Um, right. So this time we we tried the wines. Uh, Giacomo uh, Batura uh, brought us a few samples of uh, wines from uh, Rocca Bernarda and Castello di Magione. Um, and upon tasting them, you know, I was just thinking, all right, well, we need to get at this. Um, so tonight, uh, we're pairing, you know, really lively, bright, acidic wines um, with 
a really good, you know, tomato salad with escarole. We've got a s- salmon crudo. Um, and so, then, so first course is is the escarole and 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 beautiful tomatoes, um, and that your parent. What are you pairing that with? That is going to be uh, with the first wine, ribola gialla. Uh, ribola gialla, I see as a very lifted floral wine that uh, is really good when it's chilled, and it's uh, especially good for those that. Um, like Sauvignon Blanc, yeah, um, yeah. they're they're gonna drink a Ribola Giella and like it a lot. Yeah, it's uh, I, it's one of my favorite grapes from that that part of Italy, that northeastern part of Italy. Okay, cool. What's the second course? Uh, second course is going to be salmon crudo with a lemon caper vinaigrette, um, and we're pairing that with Grichetto. Now, Grichetto is a really kind of interesting grape because it ranges from the very light and fruity and acidic to a more kind of round. Uh, creamy, full-bodied yeah, uh, wine. Yeah. Um, this one in particular is, uh, and forgive me for the pronunciation, Colli de Trasimeno. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's it's more of a larger yellow uh, wine that's kind of robust with, you know, uh, forest fruit notes. It's right. got quite a bit of uh, a good structure to it as well. So it, it can withstand, you know, uh, salmon it can withstand uh and a few meats actually cool yeah and of course that that is the grape of uh the orvieto region or or the majority of it so for folks um who have seen orvietos out there that that this would would have a tie naturally okay cool and then the uh and then something do we get into bigger uh, bigger wines here yeah well um so the next wine we're going to is classic we're talking about sangiovese we're talking about one of the most planted grapes in italy one of the most iconic grapes you know because of chianti um but it's planted in a different region here um and we are pairing that with quail saltimbocca which mm. i mean just just that itself you know without any <laughs> of the embellishment sounds amazing yeah um but it's it's a wonderful dish and what the wine is doing for that dish is it's providing um a good kind of earthy component um acidic structure once again but also just enough tannin to get through that prosciutto and the quail as well wonderful and um and then, well, that sounds delicious. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> uh, and then, then for dessert? Uh, after that, we're looking at some gelato with uh, balsamic macerated strawberries. And we're pairing that with Vinsanto. So uh, to kind of go back to the Grichetto grape, that is very uh, important. Uh, and it's used to make Vinsanto more times than not. Um, when I talk about Vinsanto, I introduce it as a wine that it's, it's going to make you think of figs. It's going to make you think of orange. It's going to make you think of raisins and a little nutty. Um, but it, it's a very lifted wine. And I think it goes very, very well um, with fruit and um, also nuts as well. It's, it's great for dessert. Yeah, wonderful. Um, and then folks can see more of what you're doing uh, on, on a daily basis at, at GustoItalianKitchen.com, right? Yes. And, and you do um, regularly kind of wine pairing events and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and they range from um, uh, all kinds of producers who are coming into town. Are, you, are they usually based around somebody in, being in town? Or, oh, or do you yeah. just kind of like <laughs> say, hey, I'm, this is what I'm into and this is what we're going to do? Um, you know, it, it, it really depends. Sometimes someone is in town and we want to, you know, uh, showcase their wine. Uh, Sometimes, you know, I remember last year we had a uh, f- uh, French food with Italian wine pairing dinner. And, <laughs> you know, this year our main focus has been regional um wine pairings, you know, looking at a certain region saying, okay, we're going to tackle the wines and food of Campania. We're going to tackle uh, this area of Friuli or Alto Adige. And next year is going to be kind of uh, exciting for Gusto because we're going to try to work on a different kind of structure. So, uh, you know, we're going to talk about a region of Italy and pair it with South African wine, or we're going to look at a certain, you know, region of France and pair that with, you know, Australian wine, just, just, trying to mix and match cuisine and wine to kind of appeal to a broader audience, but also do it, you know, our way, uh, source appropriately and, you know, give a really good kind of homey vibe to it. 
Cool. Well, um, well, best of luck with the dinner tonight, and um, and good luck with all of your your events in the in in 2017 and beyond. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. We're going to take a, a short break. Hear from some of our underwriters, and uh, I've actually queued, queued up a little bit of Italian music for Julia, who is on next. So uh, uh, stay tuned, and and uh, we'll be back with uh, Julia from um, from Sagravit and the Order of Malta, and we'll dig into all of what she has going going on in the exciting stuff. So stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is another bottle down on Co-op Radio, K-O-O-P, Hornsby, Austin, 91.7 FM, and K-O-O-P.org. We're going to get into our interview with Julia um, from Sagravit, uh, Julia uh, Lucioli. Julia, did I, I probably pronounce that uh, uh, in a butchered way. How, how, is, how should we say it? Lucili, but it was perfect. Lucili, no, no okay. Julia Lucili, and she's the sales director of Sagravit. But first, I do want to mention that Co-op is throwing uh, our birthday party, our 22nd birthday party, which is going to be on Saturday, December 17th at the Spider House uh, Ballroom. And um, everybody should come to this event. It's, a, it's an amazing uh, event where we get together with all the DJs, and we have fun. There's great music, um, and a lot of really wonderful things just happen that during that our birthday party every year. So, um, so Julia, thank you so much for being here. You've traveled a long way. You live in Italy, right? Yes. And yes. and I think that you know I'd like to just continue our conversation from Anthony's uh, what he was saying, and just talk about the vibe of what Italy and food and wine is all about. I mean, it's sure. inextricable, right? Sure, definitely. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me at the show. Um, completely for your program. It's Thank just, you so much. Very yeah. interesting. Um, well, you know, one of the things I think, it, uh, Anthony threw out a lot of great varieties, but right. that is the single greatest asset of uh, winemaking and wines in Italy. We have an enormous variety of wines. Right. Yeah, I don't know if you know, but there's 2,000 cultivars of grapes grown yeah. in Italy. 600 of those are worth uh, mentioning because they have some sort of volume that we could mention. Right. So, you know, 600 wines. And you would be wondering, why are there so many grapes? It's confusing. Yeah, but, yeah. but, you know, um, the grapes and... Um, are an identity for the Italians. Each region has their own grapes. Um, I don't, you know, the... So paint that. Can you paint that picture a little bit? I mean, so um, you, you might, you know, and, and each region is very yeah. different. Right? Each region is very different. For Italians, their grape variety is as important to them as a famous monument is for the region. Right, it is, right. is very important for the identity. And just in 18, 1861, um, Italy became um, a country. So um, there is regionality still regionality quite a bit before uh, nationality. So right. each region has its own characteristics and types of wines. For example, a Friulano, since we're representing one of the Freeland estates, um, is not only Freeland because he was born in Udine or Trieste or uh, an area of, of um, Friuli, but because he drinks Rifosco, he drinks Ribola Gialla, he drinks Friulano, which, which makes up his identity. And each region has its own specific grapes and foods that really uh, make up um, their identity and their tradition. And, and this is wonderful to still have, and I, I think it's the greatest asset the Italian wines have. Yeah, and that, that's that's interesting because um, Italy is in this kind of balance between modernizing, um, and and you do see a little bit of modernization going on, and maybe you know certain varieties like Vermentino that is kind of being planted in other areas, but then there's still this intense pride in 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 what is happening. Um, do you and same with cuisine, right? Definitely. I mean, the, the, the signature dishes. Exactly, and and that's part of being Italian. Yeah. (laughs) So how do you think that, you know, the grapes just naturally kind of match the cuisine that that, that is of that region? It's amazing. It's amazing. For example, in the Marque, maybe it's uh, I'll I'll talk about some unknown regions. The Marque has um, has been known for having fried seafood, fried calamari. One of the first producers of fried calamari is from from the Marque region. And they have these very acidic, fresh you know, whites that are that are beautiful and go yeah. perfectly with seafood. And they're on the coast, so the whites are predominant like a verdicchio. Um, in, in Umbria, we have the Sagrantino that you mentioned. It's the most tannic 
grape in the world. It's the uh, highest number, uh, amount of polyphenols than any other grape variety. And this uh, grape pairs perfectly with the cuisine. It's meat-based in Umbria. We're in the center of Italy, the green heart of Italy. We have lamb, wild boar, meat dishes. Yeah. So um, this is perfect. The grigetto that you mentioned, CH makes the K sound because we don't have <laughs> K. No, no, but this, and I mean to, just because the K doesn't exist in the Italian alphabet and the CH makes the K sound. So grigetto, bruschetta would be yeah. pronounced with, uh, with that way. Um, is, is perfectly paired with truffles that we have abundant in, in Umbria um, and with the cured meat um, that that is is very savory and uh, interesting that maybe I'll talk to you about later yeah. due to the well, earthquake. Well, this is, yeah, th- this is wonderful because, um, you know, we have, uh, in our collective attention, we have, you know, uh, Tuscany is, is we, we know about Tuscany, uh, we know about Piedmont, we hear about it all the time, and I'm really excited to talk to you about some of the more obscure regions of sure. Italy because, I mean, those were where your properties are, and, and they make a lot of wine in each of the, the political 20 political regions in Italy and um, and each little nook and cranny has its own advantages and whatnot. Umbria yeah. is very hilly. It, 70% are hills in Umbria. Out of the 13 DOCs, 11 have the name Colli, which means hill. Right. Um, so as you know, hills bring very good wines, having right. some altitude and so forth. So uh, Umbria can be considered a very fine, fine production area of yeah. wine. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, well, wonderful. We'll dig into some of those wine, wines that you do, and then Friuli as well, and uh, and and also the Prosecco. You have a, a an estate in the Prosecco region, which is just on fire right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> We're in the Asolo, which is one of the three DOCGs of the Veneto region. Uh, there's Cornigliano, Vadopiati, and Asolo. Asolo is a very fine area because of its red soils, um, which are rich in um, iron. And um, it creates perfect, for, pro- grapes. perfect yeah. for grapes and creates a Prosecco with uh, great structure and longevity. So yeah. very, very interesting products coming out of the Oslo DOCG yeah. production zone. And we're just just catching on uh, here um, as well. You know, uh, it's, it's so interesting to go back to that regionality of the Italian wine is that, um, you know, th- there's Tuscany, like I said, Piedmont. Uh, these wines are like really well known worldwide, but um, you have these local wines that uh, are just made and they're consumed locally until people start catching on and they start saying I want the obscure region and then you have sommeliers like Anthony who says you know I want to offer something totally unique something that maybe some nobody's heard of before um, how does that kind of affect the industry there I mean you know you might be drinking all of your local wine and then all of a sudden you've got you know these foreigners coming in and wanting to bring the wine to, to Sweden and to the US and to Hong Kong you know yeah. does, it, does it affect the industry there well um, in, in- somewhat uh, it does I mean the more people are traveling to to Italy they're they're learning and, and discovering these these wonderful native varieties yeah. um, but keep in mind that most producers are very small small um, you know still uh, especially in Umbria they're very um, they're still very traditional and they're small but um, there's definitely you know, opportunity to to yeah. have you know quantity some quantity in, right in to, to go to yeah. go to make to meet the world but, but demand exactly to meet yeah. the world demand um definitely well, and and they they're they have pride with this so they're going to keep producing it which is wonderful yeah absolutely yeah. yeah so they're not ripping up their indigenous varieties and planting cabernet no. sauvignon no because um each region has already a market because the consumption of wine is very regional in Italy. So Umbria, they have just Sagrantino, Sangiovese, Greghetto. Um, you know, they'll have that wine predominantly. And yeah. so there is anyways a, a demand for it. And then, yeah. you know, when it's exported, you know, it, it's it's even, yeah. it's, you know, you, you, you kind of celebrate the traditions of the of the region, which is very nice. Well, I just saw the statistic that for 2016, uh, it is official that Italy made more wine than France. So yes. you beat out the French yes. uh, again. So yeah. congratulations. <laughs> well, <laughs> for, yeah. for a few years, they would flip-flop as t- in terms of uh, world production. But, but within that... that that, that production, just the diversity is absolutely fantastic. It's, it's, it's absolutely. Yeah. And you never, you never run out of things to study when you're studying Italian wine. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Well, <laughs> well, can we 
can we kind of talk about um, an overview of, of what you have going on? So you're the uh, sales director of Sagravit, which, um, which is a tie-in to the very historic uh, Sovereign Order of Malta, right? I, I think Absolutely. that a lot of people uh, are, might not really know about the history and, and, and the ins and outs. Can you just tell us a little bit about uh, the, the Order of Malta? Sure. Um, the sovereign, so Sagravit manages the properties of the uh, Order of Malta in Italy. Yeah. We have one of the largest um, agricultural companies. We have about 5,000 hectares of land and the oldest, the most ancient agricultural companies. They're all very small, small companies, um, uh, very uh, uh, Know, still, still run in a very traditional way, which right. uh, we we'd like to keep and and using the ancient methods. Um, the um, and there's the a tie into the to the Catholic Church, right? Yes. Well, the Sovereign Military Order of Malta is one of the oldest institutions of Western and Christian civilization today. They are a lay religious order of the Catholic Church, traditionally of uh, military, chivalrous, noble nature, but since 1113. So we wow. have 900 years there of tradition. and That is, uh, that is just um, incredible and, and, and operating th- for, for, for you know, over 900 years and, uh, and through the Crusades, right? Yes. There was yeah, they had um, hostels, hospitals for pilgrims going to the Holy Land. In, and, um, they had, and today, the Order of Malta is active in 120 countries, caring for people in need. Um, through medical, social, and humanitarian works. Yeah. So they do. They do. Uh, you know. So this is this is a an, an organization that that their scope is much beyond just the world of wine. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's to help the uh, poor and sick. Is is you know the mission and uh, and those of need. Right. Right. And that that those in need is, is such a broad term, exactly. right? I mean, and they're especially involved in helping people um, in the armed conflict area. Areas or where there, there's been disasters, natural disasters, they provide medical assistance, uh, caring for the refugees, which is a big thing that is going now in Europe, right. and yeah. uh, distributing Huge. medicine and equipment uh, to to help to help those in need. Yeah, and and that that actually struck home here really really big time, right, with Katrina. Oh, d- definitely. I mean, they were they have a, a group called Malteser. That's their relief corps in locating Cologne. And they were the first on site for Hurricane Katrina with satellite telephones to locate the victims and sending doctors and medical equipment. Uh, And they're rebuilding a ward with school, hospitals, homes, you know, to help to help out and and these catastrophes. And they're doing this in 120 countries. Wow. Yeah. Many activities. They have missions and. Uh, to help. And, and and they they kind of um, they're they're larger than any sort of one country or n- not necessarily larger but their scope they don't want to be biased in any sort of way um, you know this this idea of neutrality neutral and being impartial yes right? yes, yes they're they're actually a, a sovereign nation to uh, hun- over a hundred states um, and they uh, also have a seat at the UN they. Um, you know, they, they, they follow a neutral, impartial, and political uh, methods. Yeah. Everything, procedure. It, it's just wild that I feel like, you know, folks don't really, you know, know I mean, I mean there, there might be a, a little bit of mystique around this, an organization that's just so historied and so old and, and, and spanning so many different things. And having a seat on the UN, that is super cool. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they, they, but, you know, always humanitarian based and very, you know, to help the sick and, and needy. Right. Which is, right. which is wonderful. Um, you know, many things, you know, in the world, everything seems to change. You know, well, governments know change. Yeah, for sure. Empires <laughs> come and go. But, you know, the constant giving, uh, the generous giving and care for the sick that the Order of Malta has been um, you know, doing has impacted our society in many ways. And, yeah. and it's really uh, it's it's really an honor for me to work for them and be able to. I bet. To yeah. To, to, to yeah. really be a part of this organization that 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 is so humanitarian and not biased and not political in any sort of way. Well, we all need more giving in this world. There's no doubt about that. Um, and so. Well, wonderful. And so then Sagravit comes in to manage their their properties. Yes. And, and when, how long have you been uh, with them? Um, it's, it's about almost three years. 
Um, they have uh, three wonderful wine estates, historic wine estates. Right. Um, Umbria, we have Castel di Magione, it's a 12th century castle. It was a hospitium as well, a hospital for pilgrims traveling to the Holy Land. Um, and wine production there began 900 years ago. Yeah. Because uh, to the pilgrims, water was deadly at that time. You couldn't serve water. So something close to wine was served with alcohol. Yeah. And that was used to sustain, To me- it was used for medicinal purposes, to help the, the pilgrims in their journeys. Yeah. Uh, wine then was was a vital source of, of uh, you know, today you think about, oh, if I receive 90 points on my wine. But at that I time, know, it was right? a vital resource. And until the 60s, Alcohol was used to purify water in Italy. Right. So yeah. it's very interesting. Well, and, and so this property, Castel di Magione, has been making wine almost continuously? For 900 for years. For 900 yeah, years. Yeah, 900 years. And the, um, the, the main grapes are the Grigetto grape that, that um, Anthony mentioned, um, the Sangiovese, which is the most widely planted grape in Italy, outside right. of Italy, uh, not as much, but in Italy, it's it's a it's a grape that really thrives very well in Umbria and Tuscany in particular. Um, we have vineyards in Torgiano, yeah. which is one of the first DOCs of Sangiovese was given to the Torgiano area. And there's um, a um, uh, you know, so the, and and then we have uh, the Doc Trasimeno area as well, two so, production areas. So can you so for folks listening out there who who um, know Sangiovese from Chianti and from Tuscany, flavor wise, how does the Sangiovese kind of differ? Can you it, put your finger on it? Is it unique in, in flavor? Well, the, you know, it, it is a little different from yeah. from the even though we're very close to to Tuscany, but um, our our wine is very fruitful forward, uh, has less of a metallic taste of some of the um, Chianti's. Um, it's very clean, uh, somewhat earthy, which is kind of uh, typical of our area, um, I think. And it has a wonderful um, acidity, which kind of complements any type of freshness, and, yeah. which complements many types of food. Yeah, uh, It's very versatile. It can be used for many, many different foods. Right. So, so, so Sangiovese is is maybe the bulk of your production uh, at Castello di Magione? Um, Grigetto and Sangiovese. Uh, we also have Pinot Noir. Oh, wow. Pinot Noir that uh, we've been growing for centuries in Umbria, which is a warm climate area, but yeah. um, region. But um, still, uh, we were able to provide uh, to make some some very interesting Pinot Noir. Uh, the ties with the castle, the castle of Magione, um, and uh, France and the noble families in France. There, there was a. Um, probably exchange of grapes in the past and and so for centuries the Pinot Noir is also kind of typical in our area too. I mean with with something with so much history there had to have been an ebb and a flow of you know various grape varieties and then you know and and all of the you know maybe the the ownership the management of the of the the wine production and all that. Before I worked for the winery um, I was you know, I travel, I've, I've, I've seen many wine producing regions and, and really enjoy as a sommelier, you know, traveling and visiting them. Um, one day in Bordeaux um, and, Burg- and then in Burgundy, I noticed the same. I saw an emblem with the Order of Malta on a stone delineating the, the vineyards. And so this kind of, you know, uh, ties in even, you know, the families that are part of the Order of Malta have right. been instrumental also in the wine industry. Yeah, so it's, and giving it's the vineyards to the Order. And yeah, very interesting. Um, can you, so, you know, we're kind of talking about, um, you know, Umbria and Umbria was quite affected by the earthquakes. Uh, can we chat about the earthquakes <laughs> for a little bit? Well, yeah, I, I was kind of in the <laughs> firsthand, felt the earthquakes firsthand. Uh, I live only 38 kilometers uh, from the epicenter of Norcia. Um, you know, first of all, my heart goes out to all the families affected by the recent earthquakes in Norcia and uh, Marche, because it hit the Marche uh, areas, and then uh, Matrice in Lazio, which was in August, which was a deadly earthquake. Wow. Um, the it, after the 6.6 Richter earthquake that uh, really shook us all up. Yeah. Um, you know, I uh, I was looking. Um, I I went back in the house, looked at my phone, and saw a tweet from the monks of Norcia saying that the town and their basilica had been destroyed, and it was just devastating to hear, to learn this. And really, you know, n- that 
town I've been so many times is 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 part of our culture. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a medieval town. Um, it's also the home of uh, Norcineria. I don't know if anyone knows about the Norcineria, <laughs> but it's you know one of the oldest. It's where that's the homeland of the cured meats. Um, the Norcini were butch- butchers, uh-huh. um, and um, there was uh, a very famous company called the Antica Norcineria that said, you know. Uh, if God doesn't take me away, I'm staying here uh, because he wants to stay with his production. Yeah, you know, yeah. these people lost everything, yeah. lost their possessions, and it's and it's just very these sad. historical monuments, and I'm sure barrels and barrels of wine, um, and you know, absolutely, and and as well, our, you know, our hearts are going out um, in current events to uh, New Zealand. Wine industry is really affected uh, by the earthquake and the oh, that, that that happened in in New Zealand. So, um, but yeah, to have these like you know ancient uh, landmarks uh, to just be you can't rebuild those saint benedict was a pa- is the patron saint of europe um so that is completely you know unfortunately it was uh, but a spark of hope came when i saw another tweet moments later saying we will rebuild our town and our church so yeah. i'm really hoping that this is uh, this will happen and and be yeah. you know hoping for the best yeah, um, I, I, I'm definitely. My heart is going out for everybody there, and and, and then of course uh, that is was the genesis of this Italian uh, restaurant week was to um, give back to those communities. So uh, restaurants all over Austin uh, this week are going to be having uh, tasting menus, etc., and and having the proceeds go I, to the, I, that I earthquake relief. I absolutely thank very much Gusto and Damien's and all Adelmo's. The 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 three restaurants that will be doing will be doing this fundraiser, really helping these people who have lost everything to look forward. And it's very important. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and so we have to take a short break. Uh, if you're just tuning in, I'm I'm here, uh, live in the studio with, uh, Julia Luccioli and Anthony Salazar of Gusto. And, uh, we're going to continue the conversation and uh, a lot more fun in store. And we do want to give a shout out and a thank you to Giacomo Butera and the Butera family for um, importing these wines and, and kind of spearheading the uh, the um, the Italian Restaurant Week and its you know and their efforts in the Italy America Chamber of Commerce as well. So uh, we'll be right back after these short messages. Stay tuned. Okay, great. Um, we're live here with uh, Giulia um, Luccioli, and she is the sales director of Sagravit, uh, which is a, a very large uh, landholder and agricultural company, the, the largest in Italy, um, and they have three estates, uh, although they, they have a lot more um, uh, producers as well. I mean, we've got three wine-producing uh, estates, and uh, but but then th- those other producers are, are, are growing the grapes. Right. Yes. Um, there. Okay. We have three wine estates, but we have fourteen other uh, s- small companies that uh, work. They produce livestock, uh, raise livestock, milk, uh, grains, orchards, yeah. olive oil, different things. That oh, so all really, agricultural products. Yeah. It's it's about it's um it's a it's a big heritage it's, um heritage of excellence of of Italian of Italian. Uh, Production, oh. agricultural production, yeah. and different, but all with ancient techniques. We have the oldest companies as well. Yeah. There's one, the, the meat producing, the livestock, um, Sugarella, goes back to 900. Yeah. 900. Wow. So, How, is, uh, there, is there a website folks can um, find more information um, sure. just on the whole? Um, so, Sagrivit is uh, it's www.sagrivit, S A G R I V I T dot I T. Sagrivit actually means Societa. Agricola Vitivinicola Italiana, which is um, a society for agricultural and and uh, viticultural products in Italy. Wonderful. So yeah. Um, okay, so we talked about. Umbria, which is um, landlocked, it's in central Italy. Uh, I want to just give the quick, quick uh, cliff notes before we move on. Um, we've got Sangiovese, we've got Sagrantino, we've got Grecetto. Um, any anything else? Do we need to Vinsanto, wrap up? Vinsanto, Vinsanto, actually, that we're having tonight. Um, I'm still looking into this, but we may be the one of the first estates to have produced the Vinsanto. So describe describe, um, how this is uh, produced and and why it's special. Well, Vinsanto is a late harvest 
uh, grape, um, you know, either the Trebbiano and the Grigetto. The Grigetto is, is a very versatile grape. It can be made in the sweet, dry, can be a vintage wine and sparkling version. So being able uh, to, to be a sweet wine is, is actually exceptional for a, gr- a Grigetto grape. Right, right. Um, and uh, we, we have a late harvest. We, we dry rack the, uh, the grapes for, for about a month until the temperature lowers and then we press and so they're, and they're ra- put in. so they're, they're they're dried are they dried in the in the attics or where are they dried in the, the special place in the winery the attics of the castle wow. the attics of the castle yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes and then um, for for freely I'll talk about the picolit which is is is, is amazing di- as well yeah. um, story uh, the the vinsanto um, has just been you know probably used during the this mass services but i think it you know also helped in sustaining uh, had a high sugar levels and residual sugar was very high so probably sustained so it had a in pre- the, preservative yeah. sort of yes. quality sure. yeah yeah um and then and then it's very age worthy too do, oh, do you age, age yours quite quite long yes um they usually come out um about four years after the production and um they they can they can age uh you know for about 20 30 years at yeah, least right you know can be very yeah, very cool. So uh, Castello di Magione is is the estate in Umbria. Let's go to uh, Friuli because I think that there's such exciting things happening in Friuli right now, and and we're just starting to to catch on. You know, I feel like yeah. Friuli is one of a very unique region, beautiful, beautiful region to visit and 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 to try the wines. Yeah. If you see uh, Friuli wine, it's it's definitely worth worth uh, exploring. The um, it, our uh, company, Rocca Bernard, our winery, was one of the first wine-producing estates in the region, dating back to 1559. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and what's amazing, really amazing, is going to this uh, beautiful, it's a beautiful villa, almost looking like a castle, and the vineyards are terraced around the castle. So um, you have vineyards... Um, around surrounding the castle uh, established back in the 1500s when at that time position mattered. I mean, you had to have good drainage, good exposure. Today you can plant anywhere. Yeah. But, you know, picking the area at that time was uh, is, is really special to have so such a, a wonderful area. So Rocco Barnata kind of got, got the, the cream of the crop as far as just what they could plant to, and then they've held it since. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the soil is a, a mix of sandstone and marl for more than 40 million years ago. Yeah. Quite similar. You could find something in the Burgundy area or Chablis. And, and so when you try the wines from a region, you'll have this distinct minerality that that kind of underlying minerality that yeah. really makes it unique yeah very unique and complex so let's talk a little bit about the grape varieties and um i, th- I think that uh, friuli is home to some very high quality uh pinot grigio which everybody kind of thinks sure. of when with italian sure. wines but that's my, maybe not not what um you know the focus of this estate is well um you know pinot grigio is grows beautifully in Friuli. I think it's one of the best areas where it can grow. Yeah, um, me too. You, you have wonderful elegance in the product. The pear is is less, uh, is very elegant. And, and the aromas and the minerality really, really um, helps in giving an elegant, an elegant style wine. The, um, but the native grapes are, are very important. The Ribola Gialla, which we'll be having tonight. Yeah. The uh, Friulano. Um, the um, refusco, which is a red. Uh, let's let's um, so before well, let's kind of talk about the white. So we, we talked about Ribola Gialla, so um, and kind of the flavor profile. What what is? Can you tell us a little bit about Friulano? Because well, that's one of my most exciting whites as well. It's, it's so when you, it comes from the Sauvignon Vert family. Um, it is a um, a grape that it can can create a, a medium to full bodied wine, white wine. Um, what is the characteristic is also it's um, uh, almondy uh, hazelnut finish, yeah. which is which is very nice with the minerality. So it's a little more structured than the ribola. Ribola is known to be fresh, fresh right. and mineral. Yeah. In fact, he was saying the acidic profile. That's part of that. That is what a, um, a ribola should have. And um, and this minerality, of course, makes it very elegant and right. very nice. And the stone fruit nature is wonderful of yeah. these wines. Absolutely. Um, cool. Well, then, then does that kind of cover it for the whites? Would, well, whites, we are, there's also Sauvignon Blanc, which has been right. growing for centuries, and it's, it's, it's very elegant, very nice, um, and Chardonnay that we grow in the region. 
Uh, for reds, we have Refusco, which Dal Peduncolo Rosso, it's called. There's, <laughs> uh, at one time, Refusco was given the name. I mean, a lot of producers in that region would give the name Refusco to any red grape. Um, but Refusco, um, Dal Peduncolo Rosso is the one that has the, supposed to be the most um, uh, high, higher quality grape. Right. Um, it has a red stalk. That's why they, they call it Peduncolo Rosso. Oh, cool. And so, so this is a sub-variety of Refosco. So there's different clones out there, and then this is the most... Yeah, most there's, a, there's a green stock, uh, and oh, this is cool. the red red stock. And, and what I like about the Refosco, it's, it's also here medium to full body, depending on the vintage. But um, it has this amazing um, spices. It has wonderful spices, like Asian spices or, or, or black pepper, white yeah. pepper, that really make it special, give yeah. it that extra... And again, uh, you know, this is that a, a situation where you have an indigenous grape variety, which is just giving you flavors that are so unique. And that, 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 in my opinion, is also one of the advantages of having so many indigenous varieties, that you have so many unique flavors. Exactly. And they pair beautifully with different types of, of, of food cuisines. Right. And having those spices, maybe you can have more aromatic cuisine. So it's nice to, to be able to, to have a variety, you know, as we said before. Right. And, yeah, so what else? What else? Pignolo, we... Pignolo which um, we produce, which is a very rare grape. Uh, mm. I don't know how many bottles are produced, but we produce 2,000 bottles. Very low yields. We have a 35 quintals per hectare uh, yield on the Pignolo. Pignolo means fussy. And so it kind of comes from the Pinot Noir family. And it makes wines, I think it's one of the noble grapes as well of Friuli. Um, it makes wines of exceptional structure and longevity. It's, uh, and that's, that's on the state as well? Or is, the, there, yes. is there a special, is that the Terrace, do, terrace Vineyard. So yeah. it, it would be on the south, southwest facing side because um, there's cold winds called Bora that uh, blow from the north. And uh, the areas of, uh, most important areas of production of the Colli Colli Orientali, Colli again is hill. So it, kind of, it protects from these cold winds that blow from the north. So if you're on the hill on the other side, on the south facing side, you're, you can ripen uh, easier and um, you know have a, a favorable position. Yeah, cool, so, but, but 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 finicky. So it's, it's finicky. It's, so <laughs> our our vines, our our wines have very low yields. Um, if you think the highest quality wines should have a yield of 75, 85, our average is like 50, 50 quintals yeah. per hectare. Meaning you're getting less wine from the vineyard area where you have to do the same amount of work. Yes. So just, just less wine for the same amount of work and, and, uh, and higher quality. But usually. higher quality. Yeah. When yeah. you have lower yields, it's higher quality. Yeah. Poor fertile soils in our area. Uh, with this sandstone and marl composition formed 40 million years ago could really make make yeah. a difference in yeah. providing quality. Cool. Well, um, w w before we get to our calendar of events of what's going on in the wine, what, you mentioned a dessert Picolite. wine. Picolite, yeah. yes. Picolite, Picolite. Picolite um, was called the wine of the kings. It, um, it is our Sauterne. It's Italian version of Sauterne, you know, and um, a very famous uh, critic, uh, Veronelli, says... Um, Picolite to uh, Italy is like Ikem, Chateau Ikem, which is also turned to France. Right. Um, the Picolite has um, a genetic malady where not all the buds develop properly. Uh -huh. So out of a bunch, maybe eight or ten develop. So there's already a concentration there. Right. We have wow. one, and, and so many producers stop producing this grape because it has such low yields. Right. But Rocca Bernarda, the Count Peruzzini, who were the owners of, of the estate, very well known. They were ahead of their times. They were very important people in Friuli. They they wrote the viticultural laws, many viticultural laws, as well as the treaty on the Picolite and on the Ribola Gialla. They kept the production. So um, we have the production of Picolite today, thanks to this this winery, Rocca Bernarda. Um, we have the oldest vineyards, 80-year-old vineyards, um, and they produce spectacular, spectacular, spectacular uh, sweet wines. Um, not every year it goes through. It has some sort of botrytis. But in '97, we won best wine of Italy. Very cool! For, wow. Yeah. So. And and again, kind of aged lo longer, and it yes. can live forever. Oh yes. Oh, the Picolite. We 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 have a bottle of 18, 1860, I believe, still in our, <laughs> oh and, you know, at the at the winery. But <laughs> we haven't opened it yet. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's. 
Well, wonderful. Well, um, if you're just joining us, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we're here in the studio with Giulia Lucioli um, and Anthony Salazar. We're talking about Italian wines and some of the off-the-beaten-path stuff. Um, and uh, it's another Bottle Down Radio and Co-op Radio, KOOP 91.7 FM and KOOP.org. We're going to take uh, a short break to hear from our calendar of events. And uh, all of the, there's a lot of really cool things going on in the Austin community so um we will uh we'll hear from from our calendar and be right back okay thank you so much for tuning in wonderful calendar of events we've got a lot of stuff going on make sure december 17th you've got it marked in your calendars for the co-op birthday party and um great we've got just about five minutes left so uh i'll bring in my guest to give us some some final thoughts uh julia lucioli from uh, who is sales director at sagravit uh, who lives in Italy, and um, and Anthony Salazar, who's sommelier at Gusto on Burnet. Um, Anthony, you, you were kind of silent over there and, and <laughs> smiling and, and having a good time, just thinking about the history of all these Italian properties, right? Right. Um, any final thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I, um, I think it's wonderful to see these things coming into Austin. I mean, if you just think about the, the amount of distance between Austin, Texas, and the areas we're discussing it's, oh, yeah. it's incredible to have, you know, that kind of history extend this far through something as simple as, as a meal. And, uh, you know, even more so talking about the Order of Malta and, and how they've been so helpful for relief efforts around the world. And yeah. uh, so, you know, I just want to make it clear that what we're doing tonight at the restaurant, um, we are hosting this dinner uh, and, you know, pro- proceeds are going uh, to <clears throat> portion of the proceeds rather are, are going to this earthquake relief fund, right. um, you know, and. The Batura family, uh, who works uh, with Margot Imports, uh, they are providing the wine for the night, and uh, we work very closely with them. Uh, Giacomo Batura, his father, Giacomo Sr., and also uh, their cousin Martin with the Italy-American uh, Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's all very important work. Um, we're trying to provide quality products, quality wine, um, and also, you know, help out with any yeah. uh, relief effort funds we can. That's right. Yeah. Um, Julia, yeah, thank you for making the trip here from Italy. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a long way away. And we love hearing the stories from, you know, from your mouth and, and that. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me and, and having, you know, the opportunity to talk about our regions. Yeah. And, you know, I really want to uh, really say thank you to, to Anthony and to uh, the Butera family with Margot and Associates, really for the work they're doing to help our region. Yeah. And also um, the Butera family with Margot and Associates that will have our wines available in, in Texas. So yeah. we're excited about that. Very Wonderful. Excited. I have one last question for you, Julia. This is for, this is for you. Uh, I, I hear from a lot of folks out there, and we've got about two minutes left, uh, folks out there who go to Italy and they say that uh, the wine tastes so much better in Italy. <laughs> Is that true <laughs> than, what, than when they're here? You know, um, that's interesting. <laughs> that's an interesting question. Um, actually, it, it shouldn't. Um, it shouldn't because... Right, for, yeah, 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 for yeah, the yeah, record, yeah. there's no... Like, the, the wine that you sell in Italy is no, no different from the wine that you sell well, here. you know, when you have a DOC or DOCG, um, there is um, a quality control on these on these grapes, so it should be the same. Right. Um, you know, maybe if we're talking about organic, biodynamic wines that have less uh, conserv- conservation, but, you know, Preservation, preservation, yeah, like sulfites. Yeah. So, well, so, sulfites. So they might so. add, do they add fewer, lower levels of sulfur when they uh, well, have the wines domestically? Um, well, for organic and, but, you know, the Italian, the European law uh, dictates the amount of sulfite use. So it's very, very right. low. It's right. very low. So it doesn't impact. It yeah. just is enough for um, for transportation, for, for shipping. Um, so it can, it, it can uh, preserve the wine. Right. The, um, but you know, I, I, I would think, um, there, it should be the same as, as right. in, in, at the winery. Well, I, I think it's th- the experience yeah. that when you come to the winery, it's so 
beautiful. I always say that, and and wine tastes better when you're on vacation, so you don't have all the stressors of life. Uh, We got to go and make room for Tracy Schultz here in Remix. Uh, Julia and Anthony, thank you so much for being here. I had a wonderful talk. um, And make sure next week to give us a call, and we'll have resident wine experts here answering your every call, and go to the co-op birthday party on December 17th. All right, we'll see you next week, folks.